0: And we know uh, mental health, like mental health issues like anxiety, post traumatic stress, um, d- depression, and even traumatic brain injury, all have a, a component of neuroinflammation or systemic inflammation associated with them. So the theory is that if we can control that through this particular bacterial strain and cause an immune response to counteract the inflammation, maybe we can mitigate some of those things.
1: This is the True North podcast, where we explore the minds of the people who have propelled my career as a professional in the health and fitness space. Join me as I chat with athletes of all varieties, medical professionals, and like-minded individuals to gain valuable insights for how to optimize athletic performance, combat injury, and improve lifestyle mindset. Let's get to it. All right. Welcome to the True North Podcast. Today I have with me Kate Pate. Kate is a PhD neurophysiologist, coach, researcher, founder, and CEO of her company, Karuna Medical. Karuna is a military-specific device company that creates innovative solutions for administering medical care in austere, strict, rigorous environments. This research is completely funded through the U.S. Department of Defense and National Institutes of Health. Kate advocates for functional and non-traditional approaches to healing and helps people find the path that works best for them. She works to remove the stigma associated with diagnoses and asking for help. Her coaching methods are rooted as much in science as experience, having spent the better part of her own life healing from visible and invisible injuries. There is so much I want to discuss with Kate, but I'll begin by welcoming her to the show. Thank you so much. Yay. I'm stoked
0: to be here. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm
1: so pumped about this. Um, okay, so we have only recently met, mm-hmm. but I've been fascinated by your work and uh, what you've been doing now for a while. And you work with many organizations uh, in and around our neighborhood here. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them being the Talons Reach Foundation, founded by Nick Jones. Yeah, your sticker. <laughs> I got my sticker on my water bottle too. Uh, Nick Jones has has an incredible story and yeah. I um, I just have a lot of respect for him. I've gotten to work with him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were both recently at the Talons Reach Foundation annual banquet and I was going to try to hunt you down that <laughs> night. <laughs> I'm like, there she is. There she is. There's Kate. I want to go introduce myself. <laughs> and uh, Never did get a chance to find you uh, at the banquet. But then fast forward two weeks. Uh, I think it was a couple weeks after yeah. that, or so, um, you made an appointment with my business, True yeah. North Athletic Therapy. And I about fell out of my chair when your little email <laughs> registration came across like my email. I was like, no way. <laughs> She's coming in. I'm going to have her closed in a room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Captive <I'm> audience. Captivated. <laughs> and I'm going to get to talk with her finally. So I was pretty pumped about that. Um, so yay. And we've had our appointment. We've connected. We've gotten to talk a few times here. Yes. And uh, I just think you're a very lovely person Aww. and Thank so you. fascinated by your work. It's amazing. Uh, you're Bio is incredible and I feel like we could do an entire podcast just having you walk through all the amazing <laughs> things you've been doing and your experience in that area um, and not to mention your own experience. I think you're very credible uh, with how you coach and what you're telling people to do. you've um, you know you've, you've you're so credible in your knowledge and offer some real life experience and I think that adds a lot of weight. I feel like in my business too like being an athlete and having different things, I, I just, I can relate more to mm-hmm. someone who is injured. And I feel like you're in the same boat with this, uh, which you've got going on
0: too. Absolutely.
1: Um, so much I want to unpack today and I am so pumped. I do have to interject here. Our buddy, Andy Mochel, <laughs> Andy, he, uh, gem of a human, a gem of a human being. Uh, seriously, if you guys have not checked out the flip flop guy on Instagram, you need to, he's a phenomenal human being. Kate and I both know him uh but Andy has seriously helped me upgrade my podcasting equipment and I think it's fitting that since you know him as well you are my first guest (laughs) with my new equipment I love it we are sitting here with headsets and big (laughs) fancy stuff and we're just we're gonna have a good time so (laughs) so thank you Andy thank you thank you thank you okay so with that uh I would love to begin chatting with you about your business about your company Mm -hmm. would you
0: absolutely chat with us about that yeah so um Um, My company, Karuna Medical, my business partner and really good friend, um, she and I founded it in late 2018, and this was sort of born from, so let me back up just a little bit. I was teaching at a medical school in Colorado, um, like 2014 to 2016 timeframe. I was a professor there and the director of research, and I had a coworker who Um, his son-in-law was working at this military med tech company in Colorado and they, um, had, they're an aerospace engineering firm and never did anything medical, but they on a whim submitted a grant to the DOD, um, for a medical project. And they actually got awarded the grant (laughs) and, They had no idea what they were doing, and they were like, shoot, what do we do now? Like, we don't have any medical background. And so, my colleague at the medical school reached out to me and was like, Kate, you know, this company has this award. They don't have any physiologists, neuroscientists, medical folks at all on their um, team. Can you help them with this? So, that turned into Eventually, you know, them hiring me full time because I had a brother who was a special operations medic at the time. And the idea was to develop medical products for the battlefield. So I was like, man, I could actually do some work that impacts people directly. And I could help people like my brother do his job better in theory and maybe help save life, limb, eyesight, whatever, you know, the case may be. So I was really interested in this. I was like, man, this is really cool. And as a scientist and, and, you know, medical professor and all of that, like you, you want to make an impact, but oftentimes, especially as a researcher, your impact is so indirect. Like you're in a lab and you never know if your research is going to go anywhere. If it's going to make a difference. So this was a way for me to actually like do something directly. And I could see, Hey, if we make this device, I can actually see people using it. yeah. And that that's like a real impact. So I was very excited about that. And so I pivoted, I had a a really good job at the medical school and there was no reason for me to leave but i just kind of jumped ship and took you know took a chance on this company um and i spent a couple of years working with them developing different things that we were working on at the time and it just kind of became clear that in this particular company, in this environment, it wasn't going to go anywhere. I mean, they were focused on aerospace engineering. They didn't really care about medical. It was sort of just like an appendage that didn't fit. Yeah. <laughs> so my business partner and I were like, you know what? Let's just do this on our own. Let's start our own company. We know how to do this. We, you know, with my connections in the the military and um, even the first responder medical space, like I felt like I had enough Um, Enough connections and enough understanding of how to get funding and the people, the players in the space that we were like, let's just do it. So she and I founded this company and um, just started running with it. And we try to, we we have a lot of different areas that we're focused on. Um, The primary areas of interest, actually, interestingly enough from the DOD are the main one that we're focused on is actually ocular trauma. So it, it seems weird because it's like, how many eye injuries can there really be? But actually, I mean, up to 13% of the GWAT injuries were, you know, on the battlefield were ocular injuries, which isn't a small number. No. And the impact on those individuals. I mean, you talk to people, I've I've had conversations with people who've lost their eyesight because of things that happened in the military and exposures that they got. And, you know, that it's devastating to them and to anyone who loses eyesight for any reason. And, um, you know, we were like, well, hey, if we can make an impact in this, sure, it's a small number of people affected. But the magnitude of that impact for those people is huge. For so sure. we have we have to pursue this. I mean, we have a product that works really well. Like we can't not pursue it. So the DoD has been really interested in that. So we've been pushing that forward and getting funding for that. Hopefully, getting that to a commercial stage soon. Turns out that same product or similar product might be really effective for dry eye disease, which is totally surprising and unrelated. <laughs> we were just like, you know, we're finding new things out about some of the technology that we're creating. Um, we have a similar product that uh, is really effective for skin trauma, so thermal burns, chemical burns. You could think, you know, mass casualty with like uh, chemical weapons, for example. This product you could put on, and it could promote healing, preserve tissue, um, hopefully decrease pain, decrease infection, and it's something that you could, in theory, put in something like a fire hydrant and spray people down with it, um, or you could use it in a hospital setting. There's a lot of different ways you could use it. Um, we've had some technology that we've tried to develop for traumatic brain injury as well, and trying to create like a portable device for an austere environment. You know, you're out in the middle of nowhere and somebody gets blown up or falls or something happens where they have a pretty, you know, moderate to severe head injury. We were developing technology that in theory could be portable and durable and lightweight, you know, lightweight, all the things that it needs to be, um, ruggedized, all of that that could hopefully lead to um better outcomes for that injured individual and it was targeted brain cooling um and there's a whole bunch of information on how that how we got to that Um, but it's kind of a high risk study because all of the data is just animals it's pig models Mm. so for us to get a lot of funding for that to develop it for humans nobody knows if it's going to work and it's a big gamble for the dod to put money towards that so Um, we're still kind of trying to decide if we want to move forward with this, but we have, um, some other areas of interest. Post-traumatic stress is one, uh, treatment resistant depression is another and traumatic brain injury, uh, still very interesting to us. And we have, um, a different approach that we're looking at now, which includes more, um, you can think about it kind of like a probiotic. And I know that sounds pretty lame, However, this particular bacterial strain, um, it was actually found in the soil in Uganda years ago. Um, it has this incredible response or incredible impact on your immune system that makes your immune system act in a way to promote more of an anti-inflammatory state. And we know uh, mental health, like mental health issues like anxiety, post-traumatic stress, um. D- depression, and even traumatic brain injury all have a, a component of neuroinflammation or systemic inflammation associated with them. So the theory is that if we can control that through this particular bacterial strain and cause an immune response to counteract the inflammation, maybe we can mitigate some of those things. Whoa. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My brain just went... <laughs> so that's the other area that we're really awesome. excited about right now.
1: Holy smokes, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, I mean, kudos to you guys for starting this and making a leap and doing this Thanks. business too. Yeah. That's, it's been hard. I <laughs> I'm can lie. imagine. I mean, honestly, my brain was kind of going a mile a minute. I'm like, oh, yeah, hell, there's so many hurdles. Like I can just think of so many hurdles. So to yeah. me, that gives a great insight to who you are as a person too, because mm-hmm. to keep forging ahead on some of these really challenging things. And I think anytime you're working with the government, there's even more loopholes and more red tape and more things that you got to jump through, I'm sure. And rightfully so, I'm sure in a lot of ways, but... Yeah. That's why
0: a lot of people don't do it because it's not easy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I can imagine. Holy smokes. Well, that is fantastic. Um, Okay. So... Can I ask you about some actionable steps? Can we just jump right into sure, that? Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I have, um, a very good friend who is, uh, a warrior post, you know, he's out of the military now. Um, but I, I see a lot of the things that you just described that's affected mm-hmm. his life mm-hmm. for sure. And yeah. and I know with the organizations that you work with, maybe you could dive into that a little bit too, some mm-hmm. of the organizations you're working with. Uh, I, would, I would love to hear your insight on that. Um, and I don't know if you can expand on a lot of that, totally, but whatever yeah. you're free to speak about for sure. But yeah, I mean... I feel like questions from these people uh, who have, you know, either promotes uh, post-traumatic stress or the depression and all the things that you mentioned just earlier too, like um, the now what, Mm -hmm. you know, I think is so huge. And I know a big part of what you do now is Mm -hmm. working with these individuals to help them find actionable ways to heal themselves inside and out. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, so let's talk about that if you're you're willing. Um, You know, I know a few things that have come up, in both my friend's life and then, you know, even just in our gym, you know, we have post-military people and things too. And uh, I don't know, there's just some recurring themes, Mm -hmm. I think, that come with uh, their experiences. Yeah. Uh, And then I'd like to hear your, you know, your thing on it too. But like coping mechanisms, like there's negative ones, like Mm -hmm. I think that fosters in abuse of all kinds of things, alcohol, drugs, whatever, Mm -hmm. of all regards, Um, social anxiety, Recurring dreams, yeah. um, difficulty sleeping, that survivor guilt, totally. right? all of those yeah. things. Um, it, it, I cannot even imagine, like I, I have a hard time putting myself in a military situation. I think I've been very fortunate to be able to do some of the things that I do with, um, you know, a gun range that I work at and all these different things that, you know, I've, I've gotten to hear their stories mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And And then to just be done one day. And now, oh, go back to life. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me, and I could be totally wrong and off base on this, but it seems like there's not a lot of tools out there for them to have to go
0: back to life. No, there's not. And that's why... That's why the transition is so difficult. I mean, even if they had everything that you could ever possibly imagine in place to help people through the transition, it would still be a very, very difficult thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people understand that um, who haven't been in the military. And that's not to say that the military has a monopoly on this idea of transition. I mean, all humans face this to some degree. Uh, Perfect examples are as we age. You know, we have to say goodbye to the younger physical body (laughs) (laughs) that we had.
1: That is such a good
0: point. (laughs) And the mind, and and it's difficult because it's a it's a it's an acknowledgement of what was and is no longer there. Um, Same thing. Look at mothers, motherhood, or or even fatherhood. It's like that. There's this. There's this time point of time prior. I was this i had this other stuff going on and now i don't
1: i was this person and, and now i'm this person and now
0: i'm not and yeah. there's a lot you know so i think people out there who who haven't been in the military can look at their lives and I mean, I, I work with the NFL as well. And, um, as a professional athlete, it's the same thing. You're on a team, you're high performer, you're an elite level, and then you're done and you hang it up and nobody gives a shit who you are anymore. And nobody cares. You know, it's like they face that too. So anyone who's an athlete or anything that you kind of identify as when that, um, that part of your identity, when it's no longer part of your identity, you feel lost and you lose yourself. And so I think all of us can, I, can um, uh, sort of wrap our heads around what that might be like to some degree. But with the military, it's even more intense because many people spend a very long time. But even if you only do four or five years, 10 years, um, you know, in the grand scheme of a life, that's not maybe a ton of time. However, the things that you go through in that period of time and the way that the military gives you this new identity more so than any other profession, you, you really do wrap. I mean, they, they're very good at what they do with training and people really do identify as this warrior, this person, this key team member. Um, who has a very very important role? They have a purpose. They have a tribe. They have all of these things. So when you look at the transition, it which doesn't it's not set up well at all. There's nothing there. So you take this very very intense identity that's wrapped up in this, this these experiences that you no one else, unless they do it, can really understand because they're so. Um, uh, different and almost inhuman in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, so that's very difficult. And then they're sort of like, Hey, thanks for your service. And then here's the door and left to, and, and even their own, you know, former teammates and other people, it's like, you know, they're still going on with the mission and they're focused on that. They're not going to be super focused on checking in on you. So it's like, you think that that's also going to be there. These people that were really close with you, but once you're out you're out and they're sort of like hey man you left and i'm still doing this thing and i don't have the capacity to like check in on you so you're literally like alone yeah um and then you're trying to figure out who you are now that you're not this warrior and you're trying to figure out um you know who uh, what your new purpose is what your new mission is and um trying to assimilate into the civilian life which you know a lot of civilians who haven't spent a lot of time around veterans which is understandable because it's only what two percent of the population um have served so you know chances are people haven't had a lot of encounters they don't even know how to talk to them sometimes and i've had i've had friends who are like hey i really want to support veterans kate and i know what you do like can you help coach me into like how to interact with them and i'm like dude they're a human being (laughs) when you talk to an electrician do you bring up what is it like to be an electrician? You know what I mean? Like how many, how many, how many houses have you serviced? And you know, like you don't do that with other people. Why do we do that with the military? They're human beings. Right. Um, but people have this weird barrier there. So it makes the transition even harder for people. And, Sometimes veterans perpetuate that for themselves because they just assume civilians can't understand and won't, and they don't always make the effort. But like I said before, with transition, we all face that to some degree. Right.
1: That's a really good way to put that. I think that's a... Yeah, that just made everything kind of level.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean there's there's mutual ground there. Right. No most people are not going to understand the things that veterans uh, deal with because they if they haven't served. It's that's they're, they're, they're very, very true. unique. Yeah, yeah, very unique asks. <laughs> and, yeah, and there can be some common ground, but as far as the transitional stuff goes, I mean um you know, I think that's why so many of these nonprofits have started because they've recognized you know, maybe it was a founder who had his or her own struggles during transition and was like, man, I figured out what worked for me. Um, I want to share that with all my friends because I don't want anybody else to go through what I went through. And so you see organizations like Talons Reach, for example, and and others. We have a lot in the Valley here um, that are have popped up to help their fellow brothers and sisters in, in arms. And I, I think that that's very needed because we don't have the support there. But I think if people can um, start the process sooner rather than just getting out and then figuring it out, it's like if you know you're getting out and you have a year or so left, or two years would be ideal, start planning what that looks like. What is the job? You know, p- Wrapping your head around the fact that this is going to be challenging um i mean the the perfect stuff to start with as far as like making sure you're setting yourself up for success is even physical health like where are you at because a lot of people um while they're still on active duty are are just trying to like maintain to keep being mission ready and so they won't take the time you know like going to a therapist is looked is frowned upon in a lot of ways because then it's like well, is something wrong should we be concerned about what's going on with you and you know they'll, they'll push things off or like they'll have lots of tbis accumulated over the years and they'll just keep pushing through and you know deal with it when i'm out i'll, I'll deal with all this stuff when i'm out and they cope you know with the this the community alcohol and mm-hmm. all of those types of things and people just keep kicking the can down the road and so if you can get ahead of that and be like okay I need to do a personal inventory of my physical health, mental health, spiritual health. If that applies to you, um, you know where am I at today, and where do I want to be? And let me go ahead and start getting ahead of this now, so that way when I get out, I'm not feeling horrible physically and mentally, and dealing with this massive, massive change in my life because that that's where you start to see people spiral sure because it's not it's the transition but it's also all of the mental and the physical health stuff and for a lot of people, spiritual health i mean we talk about you mentioned um guilt but moral injury is a huge thing for a lot of people and um how do you how do you reconcile that and if you don't have people who understand those terms or um know how to guide you through it you're just sort of left in this place of, um, like this, this doesn't feel good and I don't want to feel this. So you cope, right? You cope yeah. in whatever way that you can. And I, anyone who's out there listening to this, who's in that place, like, I mean, I've been through things in my own life where I've coped in really unhealthy ways and, and I get it. It's like, as a human being without tools, what are you supposed to do when you don't you feel horrible you you're overwhelmed by your experience you have never been given any um advice on what to do in these situations and then you find something that sort of makes you feel a little better alcohol is a perfect example it's so accessible it's so culturally accepted and um everybody just does it you know and so it's sort of like Oh, well, when I drink or people who smoke weed, it's like, well, oh, when I do that thing, I feel a little better. So of course you're going to do it. Right. What else are you going to do? Yeah. You know, and so for people who end up turning to these tools that are really unhelp, unhelpful, unhealthy, and ultimately cause more harm, they serve a purpose too. And they do help in some way, even though if they, you know, even though they may cause more harm ultimately, but, um, it's understandable. That makes sense to me.
1: And I mean, going back to what you had said earlier too, um, about the time frame, like when they get, I mean, so integrated into this, their, their team, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, that's also for a lot of people at a very young age, right? You know, like you're 18 to 20 something years old mm-hmm. when you're in, that's still pretty forming years, formidable years, maybe is what I'm trying to say to And so like knowing what, I know about like the brain and the research behind the brain, even at that young age, is it's still very, very malleable. Mm-hmm. If that's the it's right developing. word to say, yeah, yeah. So there's still a lot of things happening. So I think uh, within that realm of time, when you introduce all the things that the military can introduce in that time frame, I think it'd be pretty. Be mm-hmm. rough to cope with afterwards too.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people join the military to, f- to ha- find an identity, mm-hmm. to create an identity, True. you know? And, and so that becomes, it's like, that's what they're searching for, but they didn't have one prior. So then when that thing gets taken away from them and they're back, you know, out after they retire and, and separate, then they're back in that same place of like, Oh shit. Like I, and they don't think about it this way, but it's like, if, if they joined to find that Well, they didn't have it prior, so when it's taken away, you're left with nothing again. Yeah. And so you have to recreate that and figure out what identity is. Now you're almost
1: mourning. Yeah, now you're in
0: a mourning uh, situation
1: as opposed to a, yeah.
0: And that's the thing, too, that I wish people gave themselves more grace around this, is that it is a very significant loss. So an identity shift, when something's taken away from you and you're no longer that person or that thing you don't serve that role anymore. Um, that's a loss and losses often come with grief and people don't usually allow themselves the room to grieve the loss. It's like, just keep going, go find, you know, go find something new or, or just, you know, time heals all wounds. Just keep, you know, keep moving. And it's like, I think for some people, Um, Not that you need to wallow in your your grief and your sadness and try to, you know, try to feel things that aren't there in an inauthentic way. But when it comes up, like, it's pretty normal and natural to feel sad and to feel, like, deep grief around that stuff. Um, That's not anything – there's nothing wrong with you if you feel that. It's a healthy thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's
1: a great – point you know like i feel like a lot of these diagnoses that diagnoses right that's plural yeah. <laughs> that come along with like post-traumatic stress, for one, um, uh, even depression in mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of realms too. It's uh, there's that stigma that something's wrong with you. But like mm-hmm. we were just talking in the gym the other day, it's like no, I think it's important. I'd like to have you tell these guys what we were chatting about too. Like it's important to have those distinctions amongst medical professionals so you can talk about the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about the same thing, but. Um, like you were saying earlier too, it's not really great to like throw these on people because now they start identifying with it. They start becoming that Mm -hmm. when
0: it's not who they are as a person. It's just something they're having to deal with. Right. Yeah, Yeah. that it can become like, you know, it's a tricky system like we were talking about because disability ratings rely on a diagnosable thing. Right. And an identifiable thing. A percentage of sorts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I understand that's how the system has to work. But what happens as a byproduct is then people, some people, not everybody does this, but, you know, some people will uh, then identify with the brokenness that they see on paper. And they're like, well, shit, look at You know, my shoulders are shot, my knees, my back, I have PTSD, I've got TBIs, I've got all these different things that ultimately turn out to be 100% permanent and total disability. And they are sort of reduced to percentages Mm -hmm. of brokenness. And what people can get fixated on then for some is the thing, the fact that I, I have this thing and that's me. And then there's an identity sort of wrapped up in that. And there's already a social perception among a lot of civilians. And you see it perpetuated in media and movies of like the broken vet with PTSD, who is, you know, freaking out over the fireworks on 4th of July. And, you know, I actually know people who do have reactivity to those kinds of sounds. And that's a real thing. That's a real
1: thing, yep.
0: Um, but the public perception and the stereotypes are making it way worse. And the veterans that – there, there are a lot of other veterans that I know who have post-traumatic stress, and diagnosable post-traumatic stress disorder, um, who don't react that way. And you would never really know because when it does appear and when they experience it, it's not going to be necessarily like – in a work environment or in those types of settings theirs is is maybe triggered by different things but um but i've heard people talk about it as like this is you know i have this thing and then their identity has shifted from this like autonomous powerful warrior teammate person to this broken individual who has this disorder And they get in this like place of stuckness with it. Um, And it absolutely, you know, all of these things can be healed and worked through. Um, But I think we're, you know, kind of talking about it in ways that maybe aren't helpful for the individual. But like we were saying, I understand, you know, I, I I walk this really weird line of I have one foot squarely in the scientific medical material world Mm. and i i was a classically trained scientist and researcher so i understand the necessity when you're talking about research that you have to have terminology and you have to have neat little boxes to study so that way when i'm studying this you know x term and you're studying this x term we're both studying the same thing and we can be sure of that. And so
1: that you can go and develop these amazing medical devices that can, yes.
0: Yeah, you have to have some terminology and parameters, but human beings are complex and um, we don't fit in boxes. And so when you try to translate that to the actual human, it's far more complex. Like the diagnosis for post-traumatic stress disorder is, it's a checklist of things And you've got to meet all these criteria and then you get this stamp of this is what you have. But it's so much more complicated than that. And I don't think that it's helpful for when we talk about healing or for the person to understand what's going on for them sometimes to just distill it down to these checkboxes. And so, yes, on the one hand, we've got to figure out terms and study it in certain ways. But it's a medicalized system, but we're... I think I mean again you know everybody has different beliefs but I I'm a belie- believer that you know we're soulful creatures that are complicated and and a lot of these injuries you know, it's it's not just physiology in play here, right? And that's what we, as scientists and me, you know, med and medical doctors, all try to distill it down to the physiology. But we're leaving the soul component behind. We're leaving the human experience behind. And psychology doesn't even do a full enough job, like classic psychology and Agreed. some of the traditional thoughts of schools of thought don't don't even address that. And that was supposed to be the s- science, the study that addressed the psyche and the soul and all of that. And it's still missing from there. And so I think that we're just thinking about a lot of these things in the wrong way. So I try to, like I said, I have one foot in that realm, but the other foot is is more in the immaterial kind of, you know, I don't know how to, the right right frame of, of reference here, but sort of the immaterial um maybe more complex soul arena and some people would call it more like hippie woo woo shit but like the body (laughs) keeps the score right (laughs) right well I mean there's some very real theories out there that the neuroscientist in me is like well this is actually inaccurate however I know this to be true because I felt it myself so maybe their neuroscience is wrong but there's something to this that is very true and same thing with like polyvagal theory and like there's all these different theories that I'm like again the neuroscientist in me is like no that's not how that works but I'm like however there's a lot of truth to this and I've felt it I've seen it in action so what is that we can't explain it and so I'm not the person, like I can hold both of those things in my mind at once. And and I see that there's a challenge and maybe some tension between them, but they don't exclude each other. I'm not saying the science always wins or this other arena always wins. I think they can coexist. And we just have to know when to pull in the right language when talking about this stuff. But I think it's really important that that gap is bridged between the medical world and whether you want to call it psychology or, or, um, soul work or what, whatever, that is, I think that there needs to be more communication and flow between the two because it is complicated. And, um, I don't think you can only take one approach because you're just going to miss this whole other arena. And so, um, I try to like, when I work with clients, I try to understand what their worldview is what is their perspective because i've i've worked with friends before and clients who absolutely um have zero interest in talking about soul anything they're just like nope don't believe in god don't believe in higher power this is just we're physical creations on this planet and i'm like okay well that's your worldview so we're going to work together to talk about what's going on with you and the tools available mm-hmm. in that context like i'm not going to try to push this other view on you, you at gotta all you got to meet them where they're at you got to yeah. meet them where they're at absolutely and so I, I try to weave it all together as best I can for each person, but it's always about what's going to work best for them and how they, they want, what their preferences are, how they want to move through this healing process. And I, I, I feel like that's really important that a lot of people just don't get that.
1: Totally. I can really relate to what you're saying here. So you and I aren't that different <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in our world just because... like. This is why I'm located in a gym and not in Mm -hmm. a medical clinic Mm -hmm. anymore is – Because while I can accept, like you were saying, the sciencey part of all of this stuff, like, okay, we've got ACL, MCL, we're made up of all these muscles and nerves and all this stuff too. Um, I work a lot in fascia and a lot in some woo-woo magic wand stuff that people will talk, you know, it's like,
0: you're a witch doctor. You know better than anybody. (laughs) Yeah. You truly do. Because you feel it. You feel it. Yeah.
1: And- and when I started working at a most more systems approach, it's not a knee, it's a system. It's a whole thing. And like we, we were chatting about this book, the body keeps the score, which is one of my favorite books, just about how the body can harbor mm-hmm. these past traumas, these past, whatever. And you know, I had, a I have a great example of this. Sorry to interject a story here, but I've got this great, this client who ha- was in a car accident 20 years ago and, uh, driving down the road, Obviously, like his neck was turned and hit, got hit head on. So there was a lot of physical injury that came along with that and everything too. But, you know, he has sensed healed. He didn't have anything, you know, like no broken neck, no nothing that shows up on the the classic MRI, you know, all that stuff. But boy, he was messed up. And, but he healed, quote Mm -hmm. unquote, Mm -hmm. um, healed fine. Fast forward 20 years, he marches into my office and his daughter was playing on the floor and he looked to the left real quick and it mimicked that same kind of thing. And he was right back into that same like muscular pattern that he was in 20 years previous. Wow! Now in all the work that I do, like neurologic input, all these things, like a lot of stuff, like I tell my clients all the time too, we're trying to rewire a system here. Mm -hmm. We're trying to tell the brain that the input is we need to change the input to determine what the output now is going to be. So Mm -hmm. with this guy, I mean, definitely an emotional response to a car accident, right? He thought he was going to die. Yeah. And so it's normal to be, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, so, yes. So the body, body harbors that, but something like that, just looking sharply to his left to see what his daughter was doing, threw him right back into that place. And Mm -hmm. it took us a while to get him back out of it. But a lot of it was also to me, like. I I didn't even know about the car accident until maybe his second, maybe third appointment with me. He was like, yeah. And this kind of reminds me of when I was in a car accident. I was like, whoa, 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 back up. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was in a car accident. twenty 20- So we just started dissecting this whole thing. And I'm like, you know, have you like really ever dealt with that? Has that been something that you've really coped with? Oh, I have dreams about it all the time. Okay. Wow. You need to go get some help. I think like, yeah. you know, and it's a hard thing in our position to say to somebody, it's like, you need to go get some help. Right. But to me, it's like, you talk about this like have you have you really figured this out and he's afraid of dying you know like all this you know all these things that I think had spawned from that and he agreed thankfully and he started going to see some somebody I think about I saw him again maybe about a year ago and he was much better Yeah, you know like he was much better yeah in in all the senses so to me like again and then like Typical Western medicine, right? You get a 15 minute appointment. That never would have come out. I get to Mm -hmm. see my people for an hour Mm -hmm. or so. Like we talked about all kinds of things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's fascinating to me. And I I think the same type of a thing um, can be applied to your work as well
0: absolutely I guess
1: all that big long story to make that correlation like I feel like it's in every profession it's in everything like we can't disassociate our minds from our bodies we just can't it's Mm -mm. they're one and the same
0: they are and it's um it it affects all humans like this isn't just a if you did this for your profession or you had a very overt trauma this is all human beings experience this Mm -hmm. and um it's varying degrees you know i don't i there isn't like i said before um you know uh transition it's the same thing with trauma and difficult experiences there's no community or group that has a monopoly on that every human being experiences these things and it's relative so a, a friend of mine once said he's a um uh, special operations veteran. And, um, he had been through a lot of stuff when we were talking, I was telling him about my experience and I was telling about some other people that I knew and their experience as civilians and veterans. And, you know, we were looking at how everybody was struggling in various ways and the things that were difficult. And, and he was like, you know, it's, um, it's all relative and there's no point in comparing because, um, when you say like, well, I didn't go through what you went through and what you went through was way harder. It's like, that the ultimate end result you both might have felt equally horrible given your different experiences and one might look more impactful than the other but the end result might have been the same you guys might have both felt the exact same thing or who knows maybe if you had been put in that situation you would have handled it the same way just because you didn't experience that doesn't mean that you wouldn't have also survived it and been you know been dealing with the same stuff and there's just no reason to compare. And, and my buddy's um, comment was uh, a king losing his crown is the same as a child losing her doll. Like there is no, it's all relative, you know, it's like the, all of what we experience in life is relative. And it uh, ultimately, we all feel all of the feelings. I like that. You yeah. know, like yeah. <laughs> we've all felt the joy, Im- immense joy and the depths of despair and, Heartache and loss. And I mean, just we've all felt it. So it doesn't matter what m- maybe made you get there, but we that's relatable. And right. again, kind of going back to, um, you know, the, the veteran and the first responders that I work with and all of that, I think the reason that I've maybe been able to do the work that I do in these communities is because I don't, I didn't, I'm not a veteran and I'm not a first responder and I'm a woman and I work with a lot of men, but I, I had brothers who served and, you know, my father and, and uncles. And and I spent a lot of time when I first started doing this work in the military space, just listening. I just wanted to understand. And I think that my own experiences with my own shit in life <laughs> and yeah. just trying to understand how other people feel and what they go through and just listening I think gave me enough, like it's allowed me to understand as best I can without having lived it um, to, to understand what my friends and clients are all going through. And I think a big part of that is listening. So instead of listening to share, if anyone's listening to this and wants to understand more how to relate to others from whatever walk of life, understand yourself and do a lot of self-reflection to, to recognize your own stuff and be present with that. But then just listen to other people and ask questions and be curious and like connect in a, you know, in a, in a compassionate way. I think that people can sense that, you know? Totally. I think when people realize that you care, I feel like that's something,
1: um, you know, I think that sets you apart big time because when you have, I'm sure they're being used to being talked at, mm-hmm. you know, or told what to fix or how to fix. And sometimes I think we have our own answers <laughs> saying them out loud, saying our mass out loud, saying like how we're feeling out loud, I think can bring a bo- bring about a lot of answers yeah. <laughs> that, you know, maybe feel obvious or whatever too. So yeah, I can relate to that as well. Cause um, again, not being restrained to a 15 minute, Mm-hmm. Uh, appointment I feel like I have the luxury and I consider it a great luxury and honor to get to listen yeah and, and to get to really hear because a lot of people and I'm sure again a, just another parallel is most people come into my office and have tried a lot of things for They've sure tried a lot of things <laughs> I, myself included. <laughs> and raised. tried a lot of things yeah. and um, a lot of failed things and uh, I think it's really really important to hear all of that it helps me too it's like okay well she's already tried a b c and d and e so we're not even going to go there mm-hmm. but um yeah and i feel like in your in your world too like i'm sure they've
0: they've tried things mm-hmm. for sure definitely I feel and like
1: nothing works yeah mm-hmm. and i
0: i love like in what you do in getting people to a place where Like it's so important for all of us to feel safe in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And for those of us, you know, I put myself in this category who have had nervous systems hijacked by trauma stress whatever injuries where you could be sitting on the couch or driving your car to work and all of a sudden you're in like a full-blown fight-or-flight mode out of nowhere and it's like you start to not trust your body you start to not trust you don't want to be in your body you don't there's a lot of things because trauma happens to the physical body as well as the psyche and the mind and all of that but it's the physical body that experiences that and so I am so grateful for you and the work that you do because you're helping us rewire our nervous system in a way where we're able to feel safe and be on this table and know that we're okay and we're relaxing and we're calm and and doing all of the things that we need to do to reinforce like, okay, there's no need to panic here. Like you're safe. This is, this is good. And, And at the same time, there's a lot of, I think, catharsis that can happen in those moments too. So practitioners like you who understand that are so needed. And I am always an advocate for body work when it comes to like the clients that I work with, whether it's, you know, I don't care what they've suffered from, whether it's a traumatic brain injury or they've, you know, hurt their back or shoulder injuries, or maybe it's a, you know, post-traumatic stress and trauma or whatever that is, it's like your Um, many professions create a scenario where you have to kind of compartmentalize, keep moving. You're very dissociated from your body. Your body's a tool to get things done and you kind of keep pushing it and abusing it and all these things. And it's like to get back into the body and um, do that in a way where it's like not horrible for a person is really challenging. And I think we all need that across the board so, I always am a huge proponent of body work. And for, you know, we referenced the book a few times The Body Keeps the Score. That's another big reason. But I think, even that aside, just remembering what it's like to have this physical body and to be present in it, you need touch. You need help people who are very skilled to help you remember that and to get into these places and to feel the places that might have gone numb that were injured and kind of shut off sensory information and you're like bringing it back to life, you know, and helping people move better. And I, it's so important.
1: Well, thank you for that. I feel like getting people like having help connecting the dots, so to speak. And in your world, I think this applies too. it's like you, you're, you just start focusing on that toe that hurts, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or this behavior that keeps happening or this addiction. I can't, kick, you know, mm-hmm. and so that becomes your focus when that's usually secondary. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say it. it's always secondary. Yeah. There's always something a little bit deeper rooted mm-hmm. than that. I I always say to like, um, oh my gosh, this Ada, Ida, Ida, Ada, Ida Rolf, I think used to say where you think it is. It ain't. Yeah. <laughs> She's like this smart scientist from way back in the yeah. day. And it's, I, I think that is in terms of both behavior and both physical manifestations too, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very cool. Well, can you talk a little bit about some of the organizations that you're with and what they're doing? I yeah. think this is a nice opportunity to plug them. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I'll start with Talon's Reach because we both have mutual friends and in, in Nick, you know, he's, he's an awesome human being and, um, they're great. Nick and I actually connected through it's it's a cool story actually. He reached out to me, um he found my name through the Honor Foundation years ago and um he reached out. I was living in Colorado at the time and he was like, "Hey, I just wanted to have a conversation. I'm thinking of starting this nonprofit and I'm trying to gather as much information as possible to understand what about, you know, how to do this. And this is what I'm thinking and all of that. So I was one of many people that he contacted. and I was like, man, he has an incredible, he told me his story, which was very recent at the time. And, um, you know, he was, um, I was just like, man, this guy's got an incredible story and you could tell his heart is just in in the right place. He was so passionate about helping others. And, and, you know, it's, it's like the, where the wound is, is also where your work is and your gifts and talents. And that for him, it's like the horrible, hard things that he's been through is also now his gift to others. And, um, so he, he, you know, fast forward, um, I moved to Bozeman and I'm, um, I'm, I forget what I was doing, but some, I don't know. I don't remember how he, ended up seeing something on LinkedIn uh, that I maybe posted. And he was like, hey, are you in Bozeman? Do you remember me? And I was like, yeah, of course I remember you. I'm in Bozeman. And he's like, well, I'm in Bozeman. And I started the organization. And I was like, oh my God, let's get coffee. <laughs> so like That's fast forward, awesome. here we both are. And then, um, yeah. And then I've just been kind of working with them ever since. And it's amazing. yeah. And so I, I, um, they, I love their organization. I've worked with a ton. And I will say that Talon's Reach definitely takes one of the, most comprehensive, holistic approaches to a week long retreat. And it, the idea is to get, and again, they're focused on special operations. So I know, you know, one of the things that's difficult for me is, um, you know, if special operations does get a lot of attention, and granted, they bore the brunt of a lot of the um, combat. We kind of hit the easy button with special operations over the last, you know, during the GWAT. Right. And right. they, kind of got used far more than they should have. And so I do think there needs to be a big focus on on helping um, those guys and gals a lot because of how much they've been through. And at the same time, I feel like we can't forget about conventional forces and everything that they've done to support the the GWAT in a huge way. And the things that they've been through, it's the same, I mean, it's the same stuff. It's the same stuff. And yep. so I, I um, have a hard time sometimes when there's so many organizations helping soft and there's not as many for veterans period. So that's my one little caveat. However, what Nick's doing for the soft community is amazing. And um, the idea is to bring a small group of guys out to Montana to get them out into the outdoors, get them moving and then expose them to things that they might not normally choose to expose themselves to that are like healing modalities. So Mm -hmm. Um, anything from breath work to these weird types of movement exercises that are really fun, but they would never do um, yoga, tons of different types of yoga that you know would probably not be like some of them are just like not, you know, no, not like, me, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but it's everybody does it together, including the staff, and so we all kind of show these different things that like, Hey, these things can be powerful and helpful. All be vulnerable together. too. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then I teach. So a lot of what I'll do throughout the week, we'll have different classes set up where I dive into the neuroscience of trauma or traumatic brain injury, or I'll talk about healing modalities. Um, they always seem to be really curious around specific ones and we'll do a deep dive on that. And so it's sort of like, Hey, here's a general picture of how you got here physically, like what's going on, mentally, you know, spiritually, all of these things. And then here's sort of a roadmap map how to get back to an optimal quality of life, whatever that however that's defined by you as the individual. Mm-hmm. And here are some tools to help you. Like a lot of people have families and so and, and some don't, sometimes it's a you know single person that's coming, but a lot of people with families, it's like here's also how to incorporate this into the family unit too. Mm-hmm. Your spouse will benefit. Your kiddos will benefit. And these are things that you guys can do together. And so we kind of, we walk them through all of that, but the week is set up. So that way, you know, it's the same, same kind of thing. You get up early in the morning and you move. And so that way it's something they can almost practice that week and then take home and implement too. Cause it's like, yeah, yeah, maybe you substitute the middle chunks of the program for your work. Your, whatever that might be. But the morning and evening, like the bookends, you could kind of re, recapitulate at home with your family. And it's like, you're putting good habits into practice. You understand what's going on with yourself. You're reconnecting with nature. You're feeling that peace. And it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. That's um amazing. And there's a lot of camaraderie there and everybody, you know, it's like you have friends slash family and accountability partners now. Um, and so we have little group chats that continue and like, that's, it's great. That's um, awesome. <laughs> and there's a lot more that goes into it, but there's a lot of, a lot of wonderful things that they do. And then, um, you know, I've worked with Big Sky Bravery here in in town as well. And they do an awesome program for active duty, special operations, mostly tier one units, but men and women and and spouses they do um a lot there that uh sort of a reset for the you know service members or our family members that you know they come out and uh to montana and and have um a bit of a reset they don't focus on healing per se that's not really the the idea, it's more of like, can we give them a break from what they're doing and show them that people, civilians care? People care. People yeah. really care about what you're doing and you're not forgotten. And they care and a lot. They really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a beautiful thing that... Um, I think few, few programs focus on is that bridging that gap. That's cool. Um, so I, I love what they do and, um, I haven't worked with warriors and quiet waters here in town, but I know they do incredible work. I've actually had multiple friends go through the program <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> and I know it's, it's amazing. Uh, when what you know, wonderful people running it and, um, really cool work. I've worked with the station foundation here in town and, um, that's an amazing program and that's more, they have individual pro, um, individual, a program focused on individuals but they also have family programs so like oh, the, whole the whole family can come family out goes. oh wow and and they have a beautiful i mean most gorgeous property in in Gallatin Gateway and um that area uh, on the way to Big Sky and um just really and they bring a lot of really alternative modalities to their programs as well so they're exposing these people you know special operations uh veterans to things they wouldn't normally do and they find it like wow shoot like i want to keep doing this thing i never would have done it but this is really cool and um and i've worked with them in kind of the same capacity of teaching and educating um trying to arm people with as much information as possible so they can be their own advocates and help themselves like the goal is like I'm an educator at heart. I've always loved teaching. So coaching for me, a lot of it is teaching and I just want to like arm people with the information and then let that it's their life, you know, like their, their lives, like let them take that forward and create whatever path is right. Give them an
1: understanding and then let
0: them take it with where they need to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, So those are the local ones. And then I've worked with the best defense foundation as well. They, um, they're the really, the, a lot of people have probably seen them with, um, the battlefield return program where they take the World War II vets back to like Normandy and I mean it's an incredible program that they do and um you know unfortunately we're losing a lot of the World War II vets there's not very many that are still alive
1: yeah
0: um but they've been kind of doing the battlefield return program with them for a long time and now they're going to kind of transition and start working on some you know Vietnam veterans and um but they've been they started a new program called the stronghold and it's focused on um Special operations veterans and NFL players and the transition. How do we bring them together in one program and help them connect with each other and see that they have way more in common than you would think, and then talk about transition and arm them with information. Um, and that's a, it's been a fun program, really cool program. It's awesome. I have a friend, Sarah
1: Clifford. I actually did a podcast with her quite a while ago who has talked a lot about that she works with professional athletes and and people who are like in that same kind of kind of sports psychologist realm and uh, has talked a lot, a great deal about that transition piece too. So you two would get along pretty well. It's pretty, that's That's fascinating stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is.
0: Um, And then I just want to, there's two more that I want to mention that are um, both focused on all veterans. So there's no, the, the previous ones I mentioned were mostly special operations focused, but Um, PB Abate is here in Montana as well and they are focused on like hey if you raised your hand and you're a veteran I don't care if you went to combat or not like come one come all Mm -hmm. this is a it's a place for you to come and find your tribe and they have programs or I guess clubs around common interests so writing reading club surf club uh, well that's they haven't created a surf club yet but i'm trying to get a friend to do it <laughs> um, uh, nice. but like hunt club or golf club or so whatever your interest might be it's like hey can we create a club around this so you and your other fellow veterans can join forces around this event you can go do it together have fun create tribe create community And can we create little satellite chapters all over the country? So that way you've got people in your community that are other veterans in your community that you can do this with. And the idea is like, let's help, like, let's lean on each other. Let's create this community and, um, and help each other and and continue to, to do good work out there in the world. Um, that one's, it's so cool. Um, I really like that one a lot. I've worked with them before and, um, the last one I'll mention is Heroic Hearts Project, and they're all veterans. So again, no no need to be a combat vet or anything like that. If you're a veteran, man, woman, doesn't matter, um, you're, you're welcome to um, work with them. And they focus on connecting veterans to psychedelic therapy for healing. Interesting. Period. Yeah. Whatever that might be. Um, and psychedelics are a tool that I often talk about with clients because it can, it can be powerful but that's a whole other can of worms that it's sure, you know, it's, it's not black and white. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: It's another one of those things you can't always explain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. Okay. One last question for you here, and this is probably maybe really challenging to answer because <laughs> <Uh-oh. laughs> <laughs> it always, I feel like the answer is always, it depends. But yeah. If there's an actionable step, someone listening to this, who maybe has struggled with, you know, um, you know, post-war symptoms or whatever you want to call it, or even just like you're saying people in life who are having Mm -hmm. similar things like my guy with the car accident. Um, what would be your advice to either a getting help or something they can do in the comfort of their own home that would propel
0: them forward? That's a great question. Um, It depends. (laughs) Yeah, well, it does, but I would, you know, I, I would say, um, and this is coming from my own experience as well, that, um, I know that everybody's going to have like, it's like going to require another question, but the first part is to be courageous enough to ask for help. And I guess what I mean by that, it depends on kind of what you're struggling with. Right. So, uh, the first step for, uh, I mean, for for a lot of people, it might be seeking counseling or a therapist or actually saying out loud to a friend or a spouse or teammate or wh- whatever, what it is that you've been holding on to. Like we all have this like shadow, this dark secret, this thing that we don't want to like speak out loud and it's maybe it's trauma right? or addiction or whatever it is. It's like if you can, like the more you hold on to that and it it's just... Like you're carrying the weight of that alone, like it's gonna de- it's gonna destroy you. It's it's got to be something where you can shed light on it in some capacity. So if that's saying I need help and here's what I'm dealing with to your best friend, and maybe not having an answer, but just starting there, I'm like you would be surprised at the people in your life and how they might show up for you. I know sometimes we. Um, sometimes we're guilty of being like, well, no one's going to understand and everybody's got their own problems. No one's going to be able to show up for me. And yeah, that is true. Sometimes like you try to connect with somebody, you try to be vulnerable and they don't reciprocate or they don't give you what you need. And that hurts even more. Yeah. And I, I've been there and I know that that sucks, but you can't let that stop you. There will be somebody who understands who will hold space for you and then they will help you try to figure out what the next step is. Like we, we can't, no one can do this work for us, but none of us were meant to do it alone. Yeah. And that, you know, sharing that is the the best first step for people. Um, and if you don't have anybody, you know, call me, (laughs) you can put my contact information (laughs) in the thing. It's (laughs) like, just, just start somewhere and keep, you know, don't let, don't let a, like, for example, with therapy, I've had a lot of bad therapists. If I ever let that stop me from, from ever going again, yeah. I would have never found the good ones and I the good you. ones are worth their weight in gold. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't, you're not always going to have a good experience with this stuff, but you've got to keep trying. Same with medical professionals, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's a lot of parallels here. You can't, So true. you can't stop. I think, I almost think that's the cop out and the easy way out to yeah. say, oh, well that, That first person I went to sucked. So Mm -hmm. I I tried. Yeah. Therapy is not for me. Therapy is not for me. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's for everybody. everybody. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But I think, I think with the caveat being said that, yeah, you've got to find the right fit Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very cool. I, I, Thank you yeah, for being thank you. here. I, I feel like I've definitely kept you for a while now, but I think we could do probably 12 more. <laughs> I know, seriously, I would uh, love it. I've got all the questions. I would love it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for and, having me. Yeah, if, I know you have. I always like to ask like where people can find you. Uh, you have an Instagram page, mm-hmm. Dr. Kate Pate, right? Is that what I think it, it's just doc Pate, doc period Pate. Okay. So at D O C period P A T E on the old Insta Google. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, any websites or anything where people can find you? I just, yeah,
0: I'm still updating it. So it's not up yet, but, um, it's, yeah, it's the the website is thisisthewayback.com. Thisisthewayback.com. All
1: right. Yeah. Sounds good. I'll add those in the show notes, plus any of the other references that we've had. Yeah. Uh, guys, check out these organizations that are helping people out big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out- Support them. Dr. Kate Pate. She's amazing. And uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you. <laughs> The True North Podcast is sponsored by Symmetry Custom Sauna Design. These guys can literally build you anything you can dream up. They source many different wood species and create any look and feel you're looking for. Check out their Instagram page. They have stunning examples of their work, which is absolutely gorgeous. The benefits of sauna have been well documented in literature, including improving brain health, inducing better deep sleep, cleansing the skin, and obviously can fight stress with the best of them. Saunas are one of the best ways to activate heat shock proteins, which make our cells more resistant to damage and fight stress. Mention the True North podcast for a discount. And without further ado, let's get on to today's episode. Thank you for supporting the True North podcast. I hope you had as much fun listening as I did recording and that you found a few takeaway points that you can incorporate into your life to further your goals. Stay disciplined, always lift the heavy box and become harder to kill. Until next time, this is Jamie Houston signing off.